Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Gillum, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. In today's podcast, I really wanted to get into a subject that probably a lot of people don't ever think about very, very much, and it really is about um, winners versus losers, or how many times, if you own a stock or a market, um, how many times or how many positive years does it have versus how many negative years it has, and what's your probability of success with that stock? And so it's getting into some of the statistics, and I do these sorts of statistics a lot um, to work out what the risk is. And it, it's uh, you probably heard me say so many times over our podcasts and in our YouTube channel, and uh, I don't know if you're a student of ours, you know, Janine and I talk about risk all of the time, and uh, it, it, it is quite interesting. I've just been asked to do a bit of an article for Money Magazine, um, and it was all on micro-cap stocks. And it was like, you know, is now the time to buy micro-cap stocks? And I went, well, it's never the time to buy a micro-cap stock, so why would they want to be writing about that? But anyway, they have two experts, one being myself and another one, and one person has to argue for the time is to buy micro-cap stocks, and the other one has to argue for the time that it's not time to buy micro-cap stocks. Um, but I thought that was interesting, but they did allocate me the negative, which was nice, because um, there's no way known I would have been able to argue for the positive, because micro-cap stocks are just, by their very nature or the very name, micro-cap means they're microscopic capitalization, uh, meaning they're very low capitalized stocks, very low liquid stocks, and really the, the risk of owning those stocks at any one time is very, very high, and that's my point I was getting into, well, you know, should they be in your portfolio? And, and the answer for 99% of people is absolutely not, unless you only really understood. But what about the big end of town? And that's really where my podcast is today, not on the micro cap stocks. I mean, you know, my thinking on those that are high risk. And 99.9% and of people who buy and sell them don't have the knowledge, skills, and experience to do so because. And it very much is people buying those thinking that they're getting a cheap stock, doesn't have to rise very much, they'll double their money. And it's that whole, I can make a lot of money quickly. And if that's your thinking, then you really are detrimental to your own trading and your own profitability because you should never be thinking about how much money you can make on any time you go into a stock. It's always the number one thing should be, how much money can I lose if I don't get this right and if I don't manage it properly? Not how much money you'll make because in the end of the day, good stocks go up. And this is where my research, and I'll show you, uh, share with you in a second, will share with you how much money you can make and the risk you're taking with some of these big stocks. Now, I'm only going to go through about six or seven of the big stocks, 
But what I've done is done their yearly returns for their whole life that I've got data from them. So I've got ANZ and AMCOR and AMP and BHP and Brambles and CBA and CSL and Macquarie and NAB. And I've just got a smattering of some of these top 20 stocks. I haven't done all of them, but I haven't, I'm not going to share with you all of them today. But what I'll share with you will prove to you about the difference in the amount of risk that you're actually taking. For example, looking at ANZ, so we've got a couple of banks. We've got ANZ and Macquarie Bank and NAB. So there's three banks we're going to look at. We're looking at mining. We're looking at brambles as well. So we're looking at a few different things. Now, I've got data on ANZ back to 1984. So it's 36 years of data we're looking at. Now, in that time, or in that 36 years, there was 13 negative years. So that means ANZ fell during the calendar year 13 times. It rose, or closed higher for the year, 23 times. And that's a win-loss ratio of 64% wins versus 36% losses. So 64% of the time, you own ANZ, or 64% of the years that you own ANZ, the end result at the end of the calendar year will be it would closed higher than it opened. Now I'm just talking about growth, I'm not talking about dividends on top of this, that's just capital going straight. So 64%, that's not bad is it? Now a lot of people can't even make 50-50, but owning ANZ you'll get 64% if you just held it, didn't do anything else other than holding it for that whole time since 1984. Now the highest growth in one year, as I said calendar year, 1 January to 31st of December, the highest growth it ever had in one year was 65%, not including dividends again, and the biggest loss was 46%, again, not including dividends. Now 46%, um, oh sorry, 44%, uh, it went down, and um, that would have been during the GFC low, so that was the low that it had um, down into that. So you had one big loss. Now we can go into average profits and average losses, so average losses will be a lot less, and average profits um, won't be as much as 65%, but you go into those as well. So then you get into a probability of, well, when it is profitable, how profitable is it on average? And if it does lose, how what's the average loss that you're going to get? But just looking at that, 64% of the time you make money in the year. Now, that's not too bad. Let's look at Amcor. Now, Amcor, I've got data back to 85, so a little bit, a little bit less, 35 years, not 36. Amcor, we've got uh, 13 negative, 22 positive, and uh, it's again 63% positive and 37% negative for the year. The highest growth in any one year was 71.9%. Now, you can also, when you start looking at average profits and average losses, you actually get to see how volatile a stock is. Obviously you would expect a more volatile stock like a BHP will have bigger growth years and possibly bigger negative years than let's say a Telstra which may have lower average profit years but also lower average loss years. Okay so the 71.9 percent highest growth um, in one year um, and that was way back in 1991 and the biggest loss it's had is only 15.33 percent. How's that? Not bad, is it? 15.33%. So Amcor, the biggest hit you would have had in any one calendar year over the last 35 years was 15.33%. That shows you it's a little bit that's less volatile, although it does have slightly more, uh, or has 63% of those years as positive and 37% it's negative. So it just shows you how volatile a stock is. Now let's go to AMP. Now this stock's been bearish most of the time 
since it floated way back in 1998. Now, I do remember when I was living in um, Crow's Nest in Sydney and I was working in North Sydney at the time, helping people with their investments and uh, the stock market and everything else. And I remember the day this thing floated and it hit $45 uh, the first day it floated, and you won't see that data now, but it floated at $45, closed at $22.50, and uh, right now it's it's at its lowest price ever. So it spent most of its history going down. Now, here's the statistics. 22 years, 10 positive years, 12 negative years. So 55% of the time on a calendar year, it closes lower than it opened. And 45% of the time, you've made money. It closes higher than it opened. Its highest growth year was 44%, and its biggest loss was 53%. The biggest, it's had three losing years in a row once. It's had two losing two losing years in a row one, two, three times. We've also had, now here's the kicker, 2018 was down 53%, uh, and uh, down already in 2019. So you would expect... It's had three down years, only ones, and two, one, two, three times. So you'd expect 2020, based on weight of probability that AMP will rise in 2020, if it stays low, still here in 2019. Now remember, we're mid-August 2019, so we're only you know, three and a half months away from the end of the year. So if AMP doesn't rise too strongly over the next few months, it would have a negative year, and that would be the third year, second year in a row. So you'd expect 2020 would be an up year. So that's how you can use that. So AMP, I'd put on my watch list, but just not buying it right now. But again, it's about a 50-50 bet with AMP. As I said, 55 negative, 45 positive. Now let's look at BHP. BHP back to 1981, which is 39 years of data. Now, 27 of those years were positive, or 69% of the time, BHP closes higher than it opens. 12 years, 31% down, or it closes down below what it opens, so 31% of the time. The biggest growth BHP's had in one year in that time is 123.64%. Now, how's that for a big, big rise? Now, that was in 1983. Uh, big, big. But that came off two negative years of uh, nine, minus 34 and minus 38% in 81 and 82. So that was a big, big rise out of that. Out of the GFC, if I go to the GFC, it was down 24% in 2008 and 2009 it was up 41%. Now BHP's had three down years in a row only once in that time. That was 96, 97, 98. Every other time, it generally uh, it's had two times where it's had uh, negative figures. Um, and it's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in a row up once, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twice. And currently we're four years up at this point in time. So you would think that BHP could conceivably go up for another three more years. So 69% of the time BHP closes high, highest growth 123.64%, biggest loss 38.89%. Um, and you would think, no, it's not in the GFC that it had that big loss. 38.89% was back in 1982. The GFC was down 24%. Um, it was only down for the one year. It was up 58% in 2007, down 24% in 2008, and up again 41% in 2009. So that's how well BHP withstood that whole um area around the GFC. It had two negative years in 2014 and 15 where it was down 22.96 and 32.32. 32. 
So, but since then it's been quite bullish. This year's been a little bit more subdued, but BHP, great stock. If you want to have that as more of a buy and hold or a bit more passive, you're going to win or have a, a positive year 69% of the time. So this is where it allows you to sleep at night. But if you had, let's say, AMP, which is almost 50-50, every second year you're going to get disappointed. So it's more of a trading stock. So let's now go and look at Brambles. for every, that's, Again, I've got data back to 85 on this one. 35 years, just like uh, ANZ and Amcor. So 35 years, 26 of those years, Brambles was positive. Or 74% of the time, Brambles closes higher than it opens, not including dividends. Nine years it was negative, which is 26%. The highest growth it had was 83.72%. 83.72%. 1986 it did that. Um, It's had 50% growth a few times. 44, 45, 50. Um, It hasn't had a big, big year in the last 10 years. Its biggest year in the last 10 years was 2013 at 29%. Uh, It's had three negative years in a row twice. um, And uh, two two negative years in a row once and uh, it's been up for the last year and a bit uh, this year it's doing quite well but 74% of the time if you own brambles you'd be sitting pretty you'd be looking at a profit that's biggest loss 9.6% just 9.6% so your downside risk on brambles is very negligible your upside uh, potential is very very high and your win loss ratio on brambles is very good isn't it on a yearly basis so when you're starting to look at that it starts to help you create your portfolio to look at volatility versus uh, negativity on your portfolio because one stock can make or break your portfolio if you've got a stock that really takes off like a rocket and add to really good profits for your overall portfolio but if that's the opposite happens and it tanks then it can really detract from your profits and too many people hang on to those stocks that are losing in hope of winning and not getting into the right stocks and if you're in stocks going down you can't be in stocks going up and it just makes sense so you might as well get out of ones going down and get into ones going up let's get on to cba now obviously we've got less history on that um back to 1991 um so obviously it was about when it floated uh, back there so that's 29 years there's still a reasonable amount of time that we've got so we've got you'd think commonwealth bank had a lot a lot of years that are positive because it's been a great bank to own but 19 out of those 29 years were positive that's 66 percent um 10 years it was negative that's 34 percent so 66 percent that's not bad two-thirds of the time it's rising which is nice but up up two-thirds down one-third highest growth year was 89.28 percent 89 and uh, that was, let me have a look at my statistics, that was in 2009 out of the GFC. Uh, The biggest loss, 51.04%, which the year before in 2008. So it went into the GFC low at 51%, came out of it at 89% growth for that year. Um, It's had uh, three losses in a row once, that was 2016, 17, 18. It had three negative years. Um, from that point of view um, and we've had two years negative once uh, in that pe- twice sorry in that period of time currently it's up for the year but uh, obviously banks have been better since 2015 so this augurs well doesn't it so when you're looking at this three negative years in a row it's never done that before and currently it's positive for 2019 well it probably won't be positive with the, the move down the last couple of weeks these figures are um, about a month or so old um, but you would expect we're not going to get it down here on the banks 
or in CBA this year. Um, and you would expect three or four years of positive move. When you start looking at these, it starts showing you what you could be buying. Now let's go to CSL, another good company. Not data back to 1994, 24 years, a little bit less time. 18 positive years or 75%, six negative years or 25% of the time. Its biggest growth year was 77.63%. 77.63%, which is in the year 2000. Uh, biggest loss, 58.04%. 58. 0.04%. That was his biggest loss. That was in 2002. Our market went down from, I think, January 2001 to February 2003. So that was probably part of that. But 75% of the time you own CSL, you're making money. So you've got to be pretty happy. Again, no dividends. This is just straight capital gains. Macquarie Bank, another big bullish, bullish bank. In fact, it's been the most bullish bank since the GFC, uh, rising well over 400% in the time since the GFC. So data back to 1996, 24 years, 19 of those, or a whopping 79% of the time. Macquarie Bank's risen and closed higher in the year than it opened. Five years, just five years, 21% of the time, it's closed lower. Its highest growth year was 66.9%. So 66.9%. Um, and that 66.9% occurred in 2009, coming out of the GFC, which is not surprising. Um, biggest loss, 62.15%, which is exactly the year before. So it's had losses of 36, 3.69, 62, 23%, and 36%. Hasn't had a loss in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, and eight years if you include this year. Has not had a negative year. Interesting, had two negative years twice. Um, and so, but most of the time, this thing's going up. So if you want a good stock in a portfolio, see how Macquarie look pretty good, don't they? For stocks, if you have a, you want more of a passive portfolio, you look for stocks like this. Don't go searching for a lot of them, you know, and if you want to reduce volatility in your portfolio or negative downside, you go for stocks that give you much more positive than negatives. Now, we've already covered ANZ, we've covered CBA, two banks, we've covered Macquarie Bank, there's three banks, we haven't done Westpac. Westpac will be very similar to Commonwealth Bank, that's why I haven't covered that. Let's now look at NAB, it's the last of the big four, so we've covered three of the big four in here, and I really did want to cover a lot of the big four just to show you the differences between them, um, but again, 1984 I got data from, so 32 years of data, now here, 17 positive years or 53%, 15 negative years or 47% of the time, NAB closes lower than it opens for the year. Biggest growth year was 62.15%. I think it was a bit like Richie Benno, 62. 62.15%. Um, that happened in 1993. Uh, its biggest loss was 44.72, which is no surprise, back into 2008. It's had um, two negative years in a row, consecutive negative years. One, two, three four times. One of those was three negative years in a row. Currently it's got two negative years in a row. So again, it looks like, oh, I'm missing some data out of this one. Um, sorry, I must have not done my figures right. That's only data up to 2015. So it's missing 16, 17, 18. So it's missing three years of data. But it wouldn't change much because obviously the, ba the banks have been down since March, April 2015, and, and NAB's one of those. But you can say the biggest loss up to 2015 was minus 44.72%, which was, as I said, during 2008. But NAB, 
you know, looking at the big four banks, it's the worst performing big four bank all the time. It's much more hit and miss with it. It's 50-50 whether it has a good year or a bad year. If it has good years, it can run really, really well. Like 2013, it did 39%. 2009, it did 30%. 2006, 24%. Um, so it can run quite okay when it does run. It's just a matter of it's more flipping a coin. So if you have... Um, nab in your portfolio and you're holding it over a 10-year period five of those years roughly are going to be negative years so it's going to pull back on your portfolio returns and this is what i keep saying or trying to repeat here is holding stocks in your portfolio if you're running a self-managed super fund type portfolio and you want stocks to be consistent performers not a lot of downside a lot of low volatility then you're going to go for Macquarie, you're going to go for CSL, you're going to go for CBA, you're going to go for Brambles because of the statistics on those. You know, we're talking about 70, uh, 79% win ratio on Macquarie holding it for a year. CSL, 75%. So three quarters of the time, those two stocks are going to be rising for you. Combank, 66 So two thirds of the time, it's going to be rising. 74% with Brambles. So if you've got Brambles, CBA, CSL and Macquarie in a super fund, you're going to reduce your volatility and get some smashing returns because they're not going to be a lot of downside risk but they're going to be a lot of good upside potential because they all have good growth so looking at that and designing your portfolio for minimizing risk maximizing return if you're looking for a specific growth portfolio then you might look at a bhp because the highest growth year on any of these stocks that i've talked about is bhp at 123 percent so you're getting bigger growth some in those stocks. Now, obviously, Rio would be similar, possibly Fortescue. There'd be other stocks would be similar. So you might mix a couple of those into your portfolio. But really, the point of my um, exercise today was to share with you how you can construct your portfolio. Now, it also shows you from a point of view of where we are today. Everybody's talking about the market. Always talk, they're talking about the, a, a recession coming. With they're talking about, oh, you know, the market could crash, it's volatile, be scared. You look at those figures, those figures are being 30, 40 years, 25 to 40 years roughly um, on these top 20 stocks. And yet not one of them has had more negative years than positive years. And not one of them has had more than three negative years in a row. Interesting. Most of them, it's two years, that's it. So therefore, if you've got a negative year on your on that stock, in those top stocks, the chances of the next year being up are quite high most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. So it says to you, well, why would you sell if you had a negative year? If you're more buy and hold, then you come but wait for the next year, it'll go back up again. So this is where you need to start looking at some of those stocks. And really, you don't need to go outside those top 20, top 50 stocks to get some pretty good returns. And especially on your self-managed super fund, there's a lot of BS out there in the industry about self-managed super funds, about how much they cost to run and how the returns you're getting. It's not good. You could be getting better returns in industry funds, which is totally crap or CRAP, if they're not going to say that nicely. Um, super, self-managed super funds are actually outperforming industry super funds and the fees are quite low to manage it. But if you just bought an, a 10 out of the top 20 stocks using these statistics and just went through positive versus negative years and picked the best ones and done your super uh, self-managed super fund that way, you would definitely be completely outperforming any super fund 
managed super fund and your fees wouldn't be that high. So, um, But that's it for me for this week's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, as I said, I always enjoy bringing these to you. If there's a topic you want me to tackle, please let me know. Just shoot an email through to info at wealthwithin.com.au. And uh, if you haven't found our YouTube channel yet, get onto it. Um, I do live online, a live YouTube stream every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We call it the stock market. So just type in wealth within into the search of YouTube. You'll find us. There's heaps and heaps of videos there that help you. Uh, and uh, spread. Just share our podcast. You know, like them and send them on to your friends. And um, What do they call them? Forward them, tag them, whatever you do to them in your social media. But uh, you know, pass them around and, and help us to help you because uh, we'd love to be teaching a lot more people and helping people get better results in the stock market. But you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillan, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.